three, two, one. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Texas Private School Podcast, an episode that breaks a a short hiatus for us, Walker. We always take a little bit of time in the winter just because we're starting to work on big projects. Also might be because we're completely burnt out after football season. It's a long, long grind. But for the first time, we get to ask you in a while, Walker, how are you? How are things in the DFW before you head back to College Station? What's, uh, What's going on? Yeah, I'm doing good. One more week up in DFW before I head back um you know merry christmas everyone happy new year's 2024 now and uh yeah you know it's been good you know just chilling working on this what we're going to be talking about today doing some other stuff behind the scenes but yeah it's going good what did uh what you what santa bring you for christmas wes oh santa santa brought me some uh some nice clothes actually my the uh the shirt that i'm wearing now my mother has much better fashion sense than i do (laughs) so she uh she helps she's as a 20 almost 23 year old man i can confidently say my mother still picks out a lot of the clothes i wear but uh, but yeah a lot a lot of good stuff what what did santa bring for you walker um a new backpack i've been having the same backpack since i was in like seventh grade so i got a new one um you know a new camera bag that's always cool and uh yeah it's clothes you know when you're like you're this age you know what i mean when you're like when you get clothes you're like or a backpack you're like that's sick like I, that's what i needed you know what i mean oh yeah so. that's how you know you're getting old because I, I got it you know i'm excited about clothes hello caesar sorry but uh but yeah speaking of backpack, caesar. it's funny i've got my backpack right here it's had mm-hmm. a big like it's had a big rip in the bottom yeah. of it like almost two years now and i'm like no, I can hold on. I have no idea how old that thing is. That thing's probably like yeah. seven years old. Yeah, it took point. it took it to where like the the zipper wasn't zipping anymore, and stuff was like when I was getting up to go from like class to class, stuff was falling out. That I was like, yeah. okay, I think it's I think it's time. You know, it's probably time. Yeah, you know that's usually a good sign. But sadly, this uh, this is not the the Christmas of the backpack podcast as, as much as we would like it to be. It's actually the Texas private school podcast. And that being Mm -hmm. said, like I mentioned, usually whenever you see us go silent for a while, it means that there's bigger things that we're working on in the background. Y'all are all familiar with the big thing that we've been working on for the past few months, which is the award show. We finally had the semifinalists ready. Um, I don't think this is the fastest that we've ever, it's close, but the thing is, we have the finalists ready as well this year. Right. So we we the, the overall award show will be out faster than it's ever been. Um Walker, thank you. A lot of a lot of work <laughs> goes into this. You know, both Ryan and I help, but Walker puts the majority of the effort into this. Walker, as always, let's just give some explanation about what goes into the award show, some of the criteria we use to filter, because I want to make it as transparent as possible so people don't think we're just kind of like throwing darts and picking names at random. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this is something, you know, we've done it for so long, so we kind of know what we're looking for, and we get them right pretty much most of the time. Um, You know, I want to say the fastest we ever did was the semifinalists, because I remember I got it out by the state championships, which I believe – that was the COVID year. So I think it was the COVID, the semifinalists. When we remember, not finalists, but semifinalists, when we did like six per people or eight, that was done, I think, in January. So like we, we've, yeah. we've turned it around pretty dang well this year. But, um, anyways, um, yeah, it's been, it's always fun doing this. It's always 
awesome to like research and know about guys we didn't really know about during the season. And that's kind of my most fun about this project project that we do. But um, as always, we, we do a lot of different things to kind of measure it. Of course, film is a big thing. A lot of times we're not going to be able to go out there um, and look at you personally, but so film is a big part of it, especially on the offense and defensive lines. Um, you know, stats for like the receivers and the quarterbacks are a big part. So yes, yeah, stats also play a huge role. And that if you have one of the most productive seasons compared to someone else, you, you that definitely plays a part in it. So film stats, um, the eye test of like me, me and Wes being at on location and like watching you play. That's a huge thing to us as well. And I also like recommendation is if we have guys from other schools or other coaches saying, Hey, this guy was a baller. You should go check him out. Like that's a huge recommendation because those are guys you're playing against. So I think kind of those type of things, film stats, eye tests, recommendations, and, um, I, and also accolades a little bit like all States and all SPC, all taps, like stuff like that also definitely plays a role in that. Yeah, definitely. So what I, what I will say, like, at least from my, when I'm looking at it, I think kind of filters down to the overall award show is stats are kind of the first kind of like what I hold in highest regard because, you know, yeah. men lie, women lie, numbers, numbers don't lie. But then a lot of where film comes into play is a lot of times is a tiebreaker, whereas guys have very similar stats or they might not have the stats due to injury. And we have to go to film and look at that. So just all that to say is it's more of an art than a science. There are yeah. some hard and fast metrics that we use, but at the end of the day, like we watch enough football throughout the season. We know who a lot of the big names are. And, you know, yeah. it's kind of a mixture of stats, film, the eye test, well, which got thrown around a lot during the college football playoff selections. Maybe that's not the best word to use on our no. part, but it is partially. But all that to say is just know a lot, a lot of work goes in behind the scenes to do this. And uh, we're very relieved that we have it. We have it done this fast this year. 100%. And uh, going back to that, I think also like, like, for example, like when we're talking about stats, right? And when you're talking about defensive line, for example, right? A defensive tackle is not going to have as much stats as an edge rusher, right? The edge rusher is going to have more sacks, more tackles for loss because that's his position. But that's when the film comes into play where a guy that's a defensive tackle that's blocking space, you know, doing his job in, an, you know, day in, day out of just holding his gap. That also plays a role. And that's when film comes into play and be like, okay, this kid is the reason like their run game defensively was so well done. So like stuff like that it also plays a huge role where – Stats definitely matter, but depending on the position, like we know football. So stats not everywhere matter the same where a tight end who has a very productive year, but a tight end's productive year is not the same as a receiver's productive year, if that makes sense stats-wise. So exactly. A lot of what you know we're saying here is that we're we're comparing who is the best at their position is yeah. so and so, you know, we're not it's it's an apple and oranges comparison to compare, you know, defensive linemen to linebackers. It's like who is are you a better defensive lineman than this guy is a linebacker? And that's only when we're getting into like defensive player of the year, yeah. MVP type conversation. So we just kind of took y'all pretty deep in the weeds of our thought process. All that to say is don't think this is something where we wake up on a Saturday and be like, all right, we're going to rip through all this in a couple hours and get the award show out. This is, this is weeks upon months. The amount of man hours that goes into this, it's hard to say. So maybe that's a little bit of insurance to say, oh, we all get mad at us and say we didn't do it right. We're just saying we did our homework. But at the end of the day, uh, all that aside is we're very grateful. We get a ton of great um, feedback from this every year. We we love doing it. I think probably one of the coolest things I've ever experienced is going and covering a game on a senior night. And when they're reading out the players' accolades, they include our awards as part of yeah. their accolades. That's that's 
it's crazy to me. So all I have to say is thank you for the engagement. The only reason that we continue to do this is because y'all interact with it and let us know how much y'all enjoy the awards. So as long as people keep watching, we will keep providing it. So are you going to say something? Yeah. Uh, speaking of that, if anyone wants to sponsor the award show, I'm, we're going to have to do, I'm doing the plug here. You have to do it. <laughs> uh, if y'all have any ideas or you want to sponsor the award show, please reach out to us because um, you know, making the awards isn't cheap. So we want to be able, we have, we have our own money that we put into it, but we'd love to have sponsorships to help us out there. So uh, if anyone is watching and wants to help out, we're going to do it in the middle of the episode, the plug. So y'all are definitely watching right now. That's Absolutely. It. Yeah, no, that's again, we need uh, we need money to put this on. Obviously, yeah. we say it every year and every year we have fantastic individuals who step up to get it done. So thank you in advance to whoever helps uh, sponsor the episode. But that will be coming very shortly, much faster than usual. But all that being said, without further ado, here are the TAPS Division I nominees for the Texas Private School Media Award Show. So those were the Division One nominees and taps for the TXPS award show. Walker, a ton of deserving um, nominees. Yeah. Uh, a lot of really hard decisions had to be made. But yeah. anything stick out to you really on this list that we have of the nominees in D1? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, look, I'm just kind of going through. I think the positions like running back of the year where you had you know, elite D1 guys like Maddox and Johan who kind of stood out, but you also have guys like Layden Prouty and Katie Collins who also had really great years. And that really, I think stood out to me, uh, you know, Carter Devereaux, um, with a kid, a kid from Nolan for quarterback of the year that, you know, and Tanner Hook felt that statistically maybe wins and losses. They didn't have a great season com compared to others, but statistically, they kind of balled out. And you watching their film, you can see why they're going to be coveted as 2025 quarterbacks. Um, others, underclassmen is always the fun time for me. You know, you have the names we talk about a lot, Legend Howell, Jalen Pyle. But guys like Jesse Richardson and Dayton Navy were two guys that really stood out to us this year, had great film, made all, you know, all district lists, all state lists for a reason. And uh, I think those guys are going to be really guys – are going to be guys that we're going to watch for years to come dominating TXPS. And, um, you know, guys who stood out to me as well, looking through the list, Michael Fowler from St. Pius was a guy that, you know, I watched St. Pius live and I guess he didn't really, it's funny because then I watched the film of him making a great play and I, and you can see me in the screen and, and I'm like, I must've missed it. Or like, you know, my eyes just didn't see it that day. Like, but he was a guy who really stood out to me as an edge rusher and offensive line, man. Nick Hughes is a guy we've talked about forever. Anthony Pellerin, Colson Reeves, and Sam Leo, man. Those four guys are dominant, dominant offensive linemen. And they're going to be interesting to see who takes out the win there. Yeah, absolutely. Some some positions that caught my eye. I'm a little bit biased here because I played receiver and defensive back in high school, but I'll start with defensive back. The defensive back list is stacked between Lou Lamar, DC Crane, Guy Stern, and Aaron Valentine. All those guys are really, really good. We we yep. have talked about I think anytime we've said the words Lou Lamar on this podcast, the word dog has followed it because that dude just gets plays made. He is fantastic. And also receiver. 
between Raleigh Strode, Carson Darby, Gunnar Nivar, and Luke Edgecomb. I saw I saw all these guys play live, actually. Gunnar Nivar, I think, is one of the most underrated players in the state. He is fantastic. I mean, having Tasby throwing to him, it was it was an incredible combination for Prestonwood. Also, Luke Edgecomb really needs no introduction. He was fantastic. Raleigh Strode, almost single-handedly between him and Prouty, kept Antonio in that game with Parrish. And then speaking of Parrish, Carson Darby, one of the guys that stepped up and made plays after Hutch Crow went down. So two positions that are just absolutely stacked. Every one of those guys is deserving of an award. I'm sad we can't give every single guy an award, but that is not the nature of an award show. Only one guy wins. I'm incredibly excited to see who takes that away. But that wraps up Division One. We will now move on to TAPS Division Two, And here are your nominees. All right, Walker, so that is TAPS Division II nominees, a division that we have said all year um, it might be the most stacked from a talent standpoint. There are so many good teams, there are so many good players, and that led to a lot of really difficult decisions on the award show front. Any any specific close categories that stuck out to you or teams and players that really, really made an impact? A lot. This, you know, we always talk about how Division Two is kind of the best, you know, division of private school and this is no exception for the talent we have to do defensive line having to you know west north ducksworth maxall and charlie shears that's i mean how do you choose against those four dudes man they all had statistically great years film was phenomenal and you know all of those guys you can talk about being big time college stars you know at the next level i think they all have a chance to play at the next level for sure on the other side lineman wise off it's a line you know how hard it was to pick so many big – there are so many good big dudes in TXPS this year, especially in Division Two, and watching those four highlight huddle films, I mean, I think those were the four that really stood out. But there was, you know, five, six that we could really, really talk about that deserved to be on there, but it had to be down to four. Um, I, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how we kind of pick that one and who wins that award because, I mean, that's a talented, talented group. Um, other, other than that, you know, I think DB, I know you're going to talk about that a little bit, but I want to talk about coach of the year, Doug Hicks, Jason Wynn, Todd Phillips, and Dean, uh, Herbort, um, you know, San Antonio Christian made the second round beating, I believe LSA, which that was a huge, huge win for them. And then, you know, Doug Hicks beats SES in the first round has an amazing season and, you know, trusting those kids, you know, to turn this t- team around and, you know, had the belief from his kids to turn this team around and, you know, had a great season at Frisco legacy. Yeah, absolutely. Some categories I'm interested in. I'm just going to start with MVP. MVP is is really, really interesting to me between Keldon Ryan, Clayton Savecki, Brady Jennings, second Quinn Murphy. There are so many stars in this division. It was incredibly difficult to narrow it down to four. And seeing, you know, half of two out of the four guys on this live and then watching you know extensive film of the other two it's uh it's hard to make a decision there it's going to be really really interesting Uh, i'm going to talk about receiver again just because there are so many stacked receivers in division two you could almost put put four uh liberty christian names on there and everyone be like yeah that kind of makes sense but 
between Ben Wagner, Quentin Brown, Hudson Powell, who just exploded on the scene this year, and then J.D. Crisp. I mean, that that is something – this is probably – especially with the top two – um, not the top two names on here, but the top two players that we tried to pick a winner out of. Um, it's something I agonized over, honestly. It uh, it was really, really difficult. But at the end of the day, it's um, it, we feel comfortable with it, and it's going to be a fantastic, fantastic list. Moving on to defensive back, um, between Nick Blevins, Jackson Powers, Utah Anderson, and Duke Hesse, I mean – all all of those guys, like I said, for receiver are deserving of an award. But there there was one guy that really, really balled out that uh that I think is is well deserving of it. But all four of those guys, especially ones that I saw in person, really, really balled out. And it's uh, it made for it made for a great list, which I think is a microcosm of division two as a whole. Just a lot of fantastic athletes, a lot of hard decisions had to be made, but I'm incredibly excited to get recognition to the guys that get it. Because especially at DB, right? Because when you're talking about a corner, you know, and safety is a little bit different. So you play both of them, right? But sometimes, you know, you kind of want less stats as a corner because that means people aren't targeting you. And right. that means they don't even trust you because they don't trust that side of the field because they know you're going to lock down that side of the field. So, you know, you have like guys like that. Then you have guys like Duke Hezzy who led, I think all of times division two in interceptions this year. And so you have kind of both sides of the coin where um, it's going to be interesting to see who kind of wins that one because, you know, stats play a huge role and the interceptions are a massive turnover on the defensive side. But if you can lock down one side of the field, that's also huge as well. Yeah, exactly. Kind of picking which stats have the most importance for DB of the year is always really, really hard. That's a that's a position a lot of the times that we turn to tape to try to figure out, okay, were these interceptions, you know, meaningful? Like, did you actually go out of your way to get the pick or did it kind of fall into your lap? It's yeah. it's it's really it's hard to do, but I'm very confident in uh, in the four guys that we have there and the eventual winner. But yep. That being said, we will move on to TAPS Division 3. So for Division 3, here are your nominees. Walker, so that is Division Three. Uh, you're going to see obviously a lot of Cypress, DC, and Holy Cross on this list because those are you know a lot of the guys that that made it that far. But anything just off the off the rip really stick out to you? Uh, underclassmen, um, you know, you have Brandon Jennings from Brentwood, John Acosta from Holy Cross, Levi Gola is a guy that I didn't know anything about. Then watching the film and watching the stats, I mean, 2,700 passing yards and 32 t- TDs as a passer. What a phenomenal season for uh, for uh, Levi. And then a guy who really stood out to me is when I was looking through it, one of the only freshmen who made the All-State this year is Coral Buckhalter Jr. from Covenant Christian. Uh, supposedly is a, you know, is a um, – He's the son of a collegiate, I think, Nebraska uh, player. You played in the NFL. And, you know, watching your film, you're like, oh, this this kid's got it. And I remember one of our interns went and watched Temple versus Covenant. And they're like, hey, there's this kid, freshman. You got to watch out for him. I was like, oh, okay, okay. And then you watch the film, you're like, oh, this kid's legit. And there's a reason he's the only one of the only freshmen on all state lists. And he deserves that wholeheartedly. Going to be one to watch for sure. 
Yeah, he's definitely really, really good. Something that sticks out to me on the MVP list, a guy, I'm sorry, on, on the offensive player of the year list, a guy that might not stick out to a lot of people, or a lot of people have heard of is Taylor Rommel from Shirts, John Paul II. Dude, that kid had so, so many receiving yards. He's a dog, dude. I'm really, I'm really glad that we found him just because he's an absolute dog. Also, just yeah. looking at receiver of the year, KP Fitzgerald, Noah Hill, Kyle Prazak, a lot of great names. Yep. Defensive player of the year, I like a lot as well. You know, Porter Nix needs no introduction, DJ Lampkins as well. And then Patrick Ortiz and Eli Reeves for Holy Cross and TCS, respectively. Both of those guys are super, super underrated. We didn't get to talk a whole lot about them until the end of the season. A lot of people, whenever they hear Eli Reeves for TCS Lubbock, they're going to think of Eli Reeves, the quarterback. Yeah. Eli Reeves is also a heck of a defensive player, whether I think he, he plays safety primarily, but that dude's a dog. All that to say, uh, another really, really jam-packed division with talent, a lot of hard decisions, but it's going to be really exciting to see who comes out on top. Well, me and Walker already know who comes out on top, but y'all figure out and probably in, in a week or so. But yep. that being said, that is TAPS Division Three. So, Final, or not finally, I guess we have SBC after this. Second to last, let's move on to TAPS Division 4 and see the nominees. Alrighty, so that is TAPS Division 4. A lot of nominees, a lot of names, a lot of schools. Walker, just off the rip, who sticks out to you from D4 on the list? MVP. Those are four names that are, had a phenomenal season. So Tabor Tyson is a guy that, you know, led all of – I think he had the most rushing yards in all of TAPS this year, deservedly deserves to be on that MVP loss. Hunter McCoy – I mean, stats speak for themselves, seasons speak for themselves. And another guy whose stats speak for themselves, Elijah Kaysen. Um, I mean, phenomenal year. What was it, 35 touchdowns this year as a receiver? Phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal. And then Nick Angerstein, the two-way All-State athlete. You know, we know him for kicking. He's won the award for the past couple of years. But as a receiver and DB, he also dominated this year in TAPS Division Four, And they deservedly, or he deservedly, he, he deserves to be on that list for sure. So uh, MVP is a great one. I think um, underclassmen, George Anagnostis, Rome Stanford, Court Thomas, and Cooper Murr. Cooper Murr, of course, burst on the scene halfway through the year, and everyone else kind of dominated from day one. Um, all all of them deservedly deserve – all of them are deserved – deservedly deserving. deserving on that list. Gosh, I haven't been on this game in a while. But <laughs> – um, you know, guys, I think there's a lot of good lists. Defensive line was great. Linebacker was really, really good. We have a lot of great linebackers in Division Four this year, so it's it's a really good list this year. Yeah, newcomer is something that that interested me a lot. Between Cooper Murray, as you mentioned, Abuchi Godwin, who's a basketball player originally, first year playing football. Uh, Abuchi Godwin, I mentioned last night, Walker never lost uh, never lost a football game in his high school career. He started this year. Went like 14 or 15 and 0 with First Baptist and ran the table. Also for First Baptist, George and a and a you know, I really need to to talk to him and figure out how to pronounce his name. But George from First Baptist, um, a heck of a linebacker, someone who's going to be a great quarterback in years to come for them as well. I mean, just a really talented kid. And Matt Pascuzzi as well from Lubbock Christian really, really helped propel 
the Eagles to a state championship berth. But yeah, no, newcomers really interesting to me. Quarterback, I like a lot too. Between Cooper Murr, as mentioned, really stepped up midseason and helped Brazos Christian get it done. Brody Butler from the Houston Northland. Luke Lee, who's not even originally a quarterback, who had to step into that role for Lovett Christian and filled it very, very well. Like I said, getting the Eagles all the way to the state championship game. Then Parker Joseph from New Braunfels Christian, who is just a fantastic athlete. Had him at the quarterback retreat this past summer. Just a great kid. Had a great season for New Braunfels as well so all that being said um obviously i will say finally uh the two first baptist guys on receiver of the year because obviously we had to because of that receiving core between caleb mitchell dominic sadu elijah Kaysen would be on here as well if he wasn't already nominated for mvp uh, it just tells you just how elite of a receiving core they have and the work that that coach d robin puts in with those guys is very very impressive but all that being said, D4 stacked as always will be really interesting to see who moves on and wins each category. And now finally, we move on to the SPC nominees. Here they are. All right, so as always, we combined SBC 4A and 3A for the award show. We had a lot of great help from Jack Klosek and Alex Oswade, so thank you to both those guys for helping us compile the list. So, Walker, uh, a ton of talent, as there always is in SBC. We mentioned that it's always just kind of an absolute mess in terms of upsets and things like that, which will obviously factor into the award show. Your thoughts on what stands out in terms of talent in the SBC? Uh, I'm going to say all of the... The MVP, uh, we had to put MVP and also Offensive Player of the Year the exact same, and I don't think we've ever done that ever, but the fact that those four offensive players mattered so much for their team, you know, you know, the quarterback always gets a lot of love, but this year deservedly so, um, with Gavin, with Brett, with Carson, and then Cole Allen is, I mean, a superstar on himself. So all four of those guys deserve, really be neat, deserve to be on the OPOI and also MVP because they had a phenomenal season for their squads. And without them, the, the success they had this year probably was not going to be there. So um, that's something we I definitely wanted to mention. And for the first time in a while, I don't think we've ever had to do this, but it was this difficult. We have five linebackers for linebacker of the year. And I don't, we, we, we always say we need to do four. We need to do four. We need to do four. And, I, I literally, we could not, we could, we sat here for hours, man, talking through each other. And we're like, I don't know who you take off this list. And so we were like, well, we're just gonna have to leave them all on there. So if all five of these guys are deserving to be on this list, I think this is the the deepest uh, position in all of SBC is those four, five linebackers. All of them are very, very talented. It's going to be interesting to see who pulls out the win in that category. You know, just to give a window into how this actually works, it got to about, you know, one in the morning last night of me and Walker doing this. And we're just kind of both staring at the computer like zombies. And like, because we, we've we gone through, not only have we looked up the stats for each individual linebacker, we're like on our third watch through of each guy's film, just trying to find one guy that's slightly below the others. And we just flat out couldn't. And I don't know which one of us suggested it, but somebody was just like, we got to have five. Like it, it's too close. We can't drop a guy off. And finally I was like, or one of the other guy was like, 
that sounds good. We called it, <laughs> we went to sleep. But I mean, that's just how good all those linebackers are. It's really probably the most stacked linebacker list that we have in the entire in the entirety of the award show. It's really impressive. The last thing I'll talk about is underclassmen. Making this underclassmen list was incredibly impressive a uh, shout out to alex Suede who who found siler cook from esd um that's not a guy that i had seen throughout the season and was very very impressive his tape was very good so he's well deserving on there madden morgan we've talked about all seasons a fantastic linebacker for episcopal will be for the next two years scotty huffman also fantastic from country day and uh, that was the linebacker that that alex found i think was yeah was both scotty huffman. And, yeah Sc- scotty and also siler were two guys that we didn't know much about and then Lesway put us onto that. So I appreciate you, Alex, for doing that, man. Dude, Scott, Scotty's dog too. Scotty absolutely gets after it. And then then a Myrie Barnes from Houston Christian. Just one of one of the best, if not the best, defensive back in, in the SBC. It's just such a young kid, too. I mean, makes tons of plays, made some great plays in the state championship game to keep Houston Christian in there. Just very, very impressive. Um, but yeah, that is the SPC list. So that being said, I mean, that's that's our semifinalist of our, that's our finalist, excuse me, of the awards show. We will also have our all private school teams and also the Hart Award for each division. Also for the private school teams, it's the same as it's always been. There is a first team, a second team, and an honorable mention for both, for both offense and defense. Also, we will have our, oh, Hang on. You wanna, yeah, um, you want to do it? Yeah, we we need to do the overall the overall awards and nominees for that as well. Excuse me. So, that being said, not actually done. Here are the nominees for the overall awards. Okay, so Walker, those are the nominees. Since there's only four categories, we can just go uh, list by list and talk through them. First, for large school coach of the year, we got Daniel Novikov, Rich McGuire, Steve Lease, and Doug Hitz. And this was another list that I think we both kind of agonized over and just not knowing who to pick. What's some of the rationale behind that and the guys who made that list? I think, you know, titles come into play. Making the state championship comes into play. You have two guys who won it. You have a guy who's been there, uh, was in the state championship game, and then another guy that um, had a fantastic turnaround of a season. So all four of the guys deservedly uh, deserve to be there. I am not – I cannot get that right, man, today. I just can't. (laughs) But all four of those guys are awesome. They're great coaches for their schools. They make impacts. You know, Steve, uh, Coach Lees, this is his last, and he ends it out with a bang uh, over there at Episcopal. Yeah, no, and and I think it's incredibly impressive that um that Coach Hicks at Legacy did that without any transfers, and you know it's a huge part of the game now. But to be able to do that with the kids that are already at your school is just makes it that much more impressive. So that's why you know you might see Coach Hicks on there, and you're like, well, he didn't even he made only made the second round of the playoffs. Well, look at what look at where Legacy was last year. It'll make a little more sense. But yeah. fantastic seasons from every man on that list. Moving on to small school coach of the year, we got Jason Lavorm, AJ Eisenman from Houston Christian, Matt Morrison from Trinity Valley, and Mike Harrison from Holy Cross. So, yet again, four coaches who all made the state championship game. Walker, four elite coaches. Your thoughts on the guys on the list? Yeah, you know, Coach Eisenman is a guy who has now kind of really turned around that Houston Christian program with, you know, Coach Morrison as well coming in. I think this is like his 
first couple of years and, you know, his first state title there at Trinity Valley. And Mike Harrison, you know, does the impossible in San Antonio and gets Holy Cross to a state championship, which was awesome to see. And then LaVorne turned around from, I think, what was it, like five, six wins last year to an undefeated season. So what a season for them over there in First Baptist. Absolutely. Four guys that are fantastic leaders of men. Moving on to the individual player awards for large school player of the year. We got Dante Lewis, Carson Gordon, Brady Janusek, and Sawyer Anderson, four guys that made the state championship game. Two of those guys won a state championship. Your thoughts on the four guys on the list and why they're here. Yeah, we have, that's four power five guys. Sawyer yeah. Anderson to Purdue, Brady Janusek baseball to OU, Dante Lewis baseball to St. Thomas, and then Carson Gordon, UCLA. All four of those guys are fantastic players, and one of them is going to come up with a win, but all four definitely deserve to be on that list. Yeah, absolutely. And then, as always, the final award is Small Score Player of the Year between Hunter McCoy, William Nettles, Elijah Kaysen, and Gavin Parkhurst. Four guys who, in their own right, are absolutely fantastic, deserve to be on the list. Walker, your thoughts on the Small Score nominees? I mean, phenomenal years for all of them. You know, Speedy, the SMU, now current SMU. I don't think we've talked about that. No. I think he switched when we did our last episode. But, um, you know, Speedy Nettles is a guy who's been around the – you know, been around private school forever and has dominated every single year he's been in there. Same with Kaysen and Parkhurst. And Hunter McCoy is a guy, you know, transfers in and helps First Baptist to lead them to a 14-0 season. What a, what a year for all those guys. Uh, one of them is going to come out to win, but all deserve to be on that list. Yeah, absolutely. So now that is actually what concludes the award show. Well, it doesn't conclude it. concludes the nominees. We will have the actual award show. Walker and I are all dressed up nice and pretty here in a week or so so keep an eye in your feed for that also keep in mind if you would like to sponsor the award show we're looking for sponsors that's you know how we how we get the the trophies made that everyone likes so much so if you're interested in that reach out to us at texas school podcast at gmail.com or just find us on social medias at txps media but that being said walker it's not the end of the episode we do have a little bit of transfer news to talk about the first being Quinn Murphy, uh, Quinn Murphy, the Austin Regent standout quarterback, who is one of the top prospects in the class of 2026, um, is moving schools and not only moving schools, he is moving cities. He's going from Austin Regents to Argyle Liberty Christian, where the uh, the rich get richer under Coach Jason Witten. Moving up to D1, they are bringing in a Division One Power Five caliber quarterback in Quinn Murphy. Just some background, if you've been living under a rock, you're unfamiliar with who Quinn Murphy is. He holds offers from Michigan, Miami, Baylor, Louisville, Houston, among others. He led Regents to a 23-3 and record in two seasons, along with two undefeated district titles. He was injured late in the state semifinal, and then Regents actually fell to Liberty in that title game, 52-10. to So, Walker, with that background and context, one of the biggest moves we've ever seen um, from a transfer standpoint in Texas private school sports. Uh, your thoughts on your your thoughts on what's honestly groundbreaking. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Groundbreaking is, you know, we've we always have like Cole Welliver was a guy, right? That coming into private school from public school was a big, big name. Same with Keldon as well. Um, Keldon Ryan. Both of them were highly recruited guys that came into private school for a year and dominated. You know, Kelton has another year, of course, but Cole, for example, right? And man, 
if you think about it, last year, last year, last year's our quarterback of the year was uh, Hogan Nelson. He transfers over there right after he wins that award. And I mean, Quinn Murphy is one of the best quarterbacks in all of taps and all of private school. And now he gets over there. It's, it's the, the line of quarterbacks, man, are phenomenal. And supposedly they have another kid too, a South Lake transfer, a South Lake Carroll transfer. That's also going to go over there and compete for that starting job. But I mean, this is something that's groundbreaking. You've never seen before. And you know, the timing is, uh, is going to look a little rough from to the normal eye of you get running clocked and then you transfer over to that school. And I mean, that's just, you know, that I don't think that really mattered in the end. I think it's a better place to get recruited, a better competition. And what, from what we've heard, it's not like, I think Liberty is going to probably take kind of the parish route and compete a lot, you know, not against a typical private school team and show that they're not just one of the, one of the best private school teams. They're going to be one of the best Texas high school football teams this year. And I think having a guy like that at Quinn Murphy at the helm is going to show a lot of people his talent this year. So it makes sense for a lot of reasons for Quinn. And I, I mean, I can't, I can't blame the kid. I mean, it's going to be a better place for him and his future for recruiting, all of that, better competition. It just makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny that you mentioned that it seems like Liberty is going to kind of go around similar to Parrish where they're going to be competing, not only to be the best private school team in the land, but one of the best, you know, overall Texas high school football teams. Because yeah. if you look at departures out of Liberty this season or guys that are graduating, you know, Colwell Defensive end, Max Saul, wide receiver, tight end, kicker, Michael Stump, defensive tackle, Murphy Rim, offensive lineman, Nick Ellis, and center, Antonio Samo. It sounds like, you know, a lot of names I just read off, but in all reality, those are the only guys leaving. Yeah, Everyone else comes back. The team is young. Um, it's a lot of the playmakers are underclassmen. You bring back MVP caliber guys like Brady Janusek, uh, CJ Witten, Cooper Witten, Maddox Sakiri. I mean, you can just rip off names. Now, adding it's, Quinn Murphy to that equation and bringing all the receivers back except Stump, I mean, it's it's going to be scary hours in Argyle. Yeah, it's kind of like that Parish team, right, where you lose Andrew, you lose your best player in Andrew Paul, but then everyone else comes back and you have maybe the best team of Texas high school football ever that next yeah. season or Texas private school football ever. Um, it's kind of that scenario where, yes, yeah. you lose Cole Welliver, who's a big, big point of how good your season was, but – I mean, the talent is still young. It, it's going to be crazy to see how they do next year. And I, I think it comes in, um, you know, it's been forever, but I remember the tweet that Jacob Warburton put out was to be the best, you got to, you know, play with the best and, you know, compete against the best. And I kind of think that's kind of the reason. And that's kind of the, if you're going to say anything about this whole transfer, I think that's what you say. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, there, there's a lot of people that have a lot of opinions about transfers. Um, I try to be pretty guarded with my opinion on it, but I'll just say it's never, it's never objective. It's never, this is completely right or it's completely wrong. It's always a case by case basis. And listen, yeah. I mean, if from the kid's standpoint, why wouldn't you? It's a, it's a great opportunity to go get more exposure, play for the best. And listen, I don't, I don't think, um, I don't think 
he they're just allowing him to walk in, you know, to a job here. He's gonna have to compete with that yeah. South Lake backup they're bringing. Also, they've got a really really good kid who's gonna be a freshman, Carter Zingleman. Carter Zingleman, I think is like six four, you know, two oh five as a freshman. I would what I would have given to be six four two oh five as a freshman in high school. I was like six foot one forty five pounds. But all that being said, yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Liberty is kind of gathering the infinity stones of Texas private school football, and uh, it's gonna be watching them play. Parish and Prestonwood and all them oh, next yeah. year. It's going to be a very, very fun time. But when we talked about the Witten versus Novikov recruiting battle this uh this spring, you know, one I guess the first chess piece has been moved with um with Witten. Man, that's a big, big piece that has been brought in. It certainly is. It's um yeah, whenever we brought that up, I meant it. It's going to be a very interesting kind of kind of side side thing to watch. And it's uh it, it got kicked off very very early but kind of shifting gears but staying with the same transfer uh line of speak uh, a familiar name for people that have been following texas private school sports since for a few years at least roy thomas jenkins if you can't remember why you remember that name he was the quarterback as a freshman at beaumont kelly in 2021 he then transferred following his freshman season to beaumont westbrook played there in 2022 and this last year in 2023 well Walker made me aware about two hours ago that he is back in Texas private school football. He will be playing the upcoming season for Houston St. Thomas, um, a fantastic get for St. Thomas. That, that quarterback room between him and Mason Hartwell is going to be fantastic, providing they both stay. Um, you know, you really can't replace Dante Lewis because of what he brings to the table. You know, as you said, he's Uno. There's not another Uno. But Roy Thomas Jenkins is a heck of a quarterback in his own right. He holds offers from Houston, North Texas, Penn State, Pittsburgh, Texas A&M, Texas State, Texas Tech, Virginia Tech, UTSA, among others. I mean, this is the kid that's been recruited pretty heavily since he was a freshman in high school. One of the best in a loaded 2025 class in private school. That includes Sawyer Anderson, Luke Carney, Keldon Ryan, among others. Walker, uh, guess who's back? Back again. Your thoughts on Roy Thomas Jenkins making a reappearance in private school ball. Yeah, I remember when he first left and we were like, man, if you stay, you're going to be a part of like the greatest quarterback class ever in private school history. And we were sad to see him go. And I guess our wishes wishes were fulfilled and he's back, man. And um, phenomenal player, 6'4", throws the ball really well. And a lot of those offers he got from his freshman and early years because of potential, because the kid has a bright future ahead of him. He has a lot to, you know, I think under a system where, I mean... <laughs> They've always had an elite quarterback for the past since like 2017, since Peyton Machoa yeah. was there. And he's one of the, one of those guys who's going to join into it. And but but do I think he wins the job outright? No. I mean, there's a guy over there that in Mason Hartwell, who I we we think the world of here at TXPS Media. And I think he is not gonna back down without a fight. I think he's also extremely good. He knows the system. And he played multiple games this year when Dante got hurt later in the season and he won most of those games. No, he won all of those games. So, mm -hmm. I mean, Mason is a guy that I think we have. He is a bright future ahead of him. He's absolutely a Division One quarterback. And just for the average eye, for people saying, hey, he's coming in, It's that's going to be you know, clear cut. He's going to be the guy. Uh-uh. That's going to be a quarterback battle. And, you know, quarterback competition is always the best thing for any team. It's competing against each other. You saw – Colt Welliver and Hogan Nelson last year were 
Hogan Nelson finally just chose baseball, but that competition throughout the spring, throughout the summer, that's what pushes a guy to be the best. And I think whoever comes out of that quarterback battle, it's going to be amazing. And you're, you're going to see probably St. Thomas back in the state championship next year in division one because of it. But um, Mason Hartwell, you don't forget that name. He's a 2027. He's a freshman this year and was phenomenal for them um, when he played. And I, I, I really, really like that kid too, but you can't undervalue the the addition of Roy Thomas Jenkins to a quarterback room where no matter who wins that job, if knock on wood, if one of those guys goes down, you're you're talking about another top ten quarterback in all of TXPS coming into those ranks as well. So big, big addition for St. Thomas. Exactly. You know, there's a there's a verse in the good book that goes along the lines of as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. And uh, that's kind of what that quarterback room is going to be. You've got two elite guys. And also something I talk about a ton, especially the quarterback position, is there's no substitute for game reps. And you see that everywhere in this 25 class with guys yeah. like Sawyer Anderson and Luke Carney and Keldon Ryan, especially in, you know, the cases of of Sawyer and Luke, who have started every game since they've been freshmen. Roy Thomas has started since he's been a freshman. There's no substitute for B. You can practice as much as you want. I'm not, I'm not discrediting the importance of practice, but game speed is different. Anyone yeah. that's played ball knows that. And having that much experience for that long it's going to go a long way. I think this is, you know, a perfect pickup for St. Thomas and Rich McGuire, you know, for a team that always has the best of the back and the best of the best, excuse me, in terms of quarterbacks, they add another. And that that war between him and Mason Hartwell, it's going to be really interesting. And both guys are going to come out of that better. Uh, that yeah. being said, Walker, while you were talking, I turned on uh, I turned on Roy Thomas Jenkins' film, and uh, <laughs> that kid can that kid can throw the deck on football. Just yeah. I'll leave it there. It's going to be interesting to see who he throws to. That's going to be the question. Um, I and on the top of my head, I know they have number zero. He was their slot guy, but well, Edgecombe was their slot guy, but kind of their outside receiver besides Larry Ben was him number zero. I know he's a junior, but they have a couple other guys that are going to be interesting to see who steps up. I know couple young guys, but um, losing Edgecombe, losing Ben as your two top receivers, losing Blaze Covington, you're going to have to replace that receiving core room with someone, some stud out there that they're going to get. And I think that's going to be the thing. I mean, that offense is going to have to have some major uh, revamp. You know, they're going to have guys under underrated guys. That's not the issue, but you're, you're going to lose a guy like Johan. You're losing Larry Ben. You're losing Luke Edgecombe. Those are going to be guys you're going to have to replace. But now you have a replacement for Dante Lewis, which is huge. And if you can do that, um, if you have now that place, you can build around that, whether that is Mason Hartwell, whether that is Roy Thomas Jenkins. Yeah, no, regardless of how that turns out, it's it's a great situation. It's a good problem to have for St. Thomas. Oh, I'll, yeah. I'll finish it that way. But yeah. That being said, that's uh, that's all we got in terms of some transfer talk. I'm sure there will be a lot more here soon. Probably enough that it'll warrant its own episode here in the off season because that's just the nature of how things are now. But uh, just some housekeeping as we end. We're going to most likely ramp up basketball content here uh, starting this week. I should be trying to get to basically a game every week. Just adding some content there. Ryan Walker and I will be back on that um, award show. Expect. The expect the winners out in the next couple of weeks. We already yeah. have it finished. It just comes down to us recording that. Uh, Walker, in terms of anything else going on around the space, anything in terms of housekeeping? Well, 
let me think about that for a second. Um, uh, I guess, yeah. Um, you know, we're going to have the TXPS retreat. You know, we did the quarterback retreat this, um, this is kind of the announcement that, you know, we still have a long way to go for this, but, uh, the TXPS quarterback retreat was phenomenal last year. It was a lot of fun. Every person we talked to said it was the most, one of the most fun camps they did all summer. And we want to kind of upgrade it and do a little bit more this year. So please look out for that. That's kind of our announcement where it might not just be quarterbacks this year, but stay tuned for that. On the other side, you know, we're going to have the award show probably done by the end of January. So reach out to that and now not in March, like we did last year. And yeah, like, like Wes said, basketball is going to be a huge thing for us. We're going to talk more about that. If there's any other content ideas that y'all want us to do, whether that is more like rankings, Q and A's or anything like that, we want to do more in the spring, not just spring ball, but other stuff in this, you know, February to April timeline where, you know, usually we're a little bit more dry. Um, so if there's any ideas that y'all want us to do, please reach out to us. Uh, we would love to do it. You know, we're going to have on baseball, a little bit, basketball, um, and maybe do some other little small episodes that we love doing. So, but yeah, please look out to that. Like, subscribe, turn on the notifications, and we should be, uh, you should be back. In, you should see us back in your timelines pretty dang soon. Absolutely. I couldn't say it better myself. So with that being said, as always, I've been half your host and crew, West Halls, and Walker Lot has fantastically been himself. We will see you in the next episode with the award show winners. See you later. Three, two, one. Here we go.